Let's open up our Bibles together. It's such a great privilege to look into God's Word together. The Holy Spirit is here among us to be our teacher this morning. What an amazing thing that is. So let's not miss what he has to say to us. Let's look today at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Friends, this is God's word for us today. What a gift. What a gift, Lord. Thank you for the way that you continually speak into our lives when we stop to listen. We ask that you would open our hearts to your voice today by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're well into our deep and wide series now, um, really digging into reading the Bible. It's been so exciting for me to hear how many of you are reading the New Testament, a lot of you for the first time, or a lot of you just, it's kind of a new approach and really becoming uh, fresh and alive for you. It's so exciting. I know a lot of people are listening to it. Um, on the app or on the website, and that that's kind of bringing it to you in a whole new way that um, God really speaks through. That's exciting. This week, uh, or last week, our challenge was to bring treats to someone, to show them a little bit of God's unconditional love. How many of you did the challenge this week? All right. A lot of treats were shared this week. Good. Good. Or last week. This week, our challenge is to invite someone to church with you. Invite someone to come to church with you. And if you can, offer to pick them up. That makes it so much more um, just personal and friendly and easier to get people here. Um, so if you can, invite them. Invite, invite someone and, and, and offer to pick them up if you can. That's the challenge for this week. Well, uh, as we look into um, what we read in the last week, we, uh, we finished Acts and we got into some of the letters 
And today we're focusing on this letter from Paul to a little church in Thessalonica. That's kind of a mouthful, kind of like Chautauqua, right? This is a little church in Thessalonica, so it's to the Thessalonians. You know, when I was uh, growing up and I was a little girl, I loved to read Nancy Drew books. Any other Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys fans out there? Yeah, lots. I have this vivid memory of getting partway through, I think it was, The Quest for the Missing Map. And I have this memory of sitting in my grandparents' dining room in uh, Kansas, reading along, and it got more and more scary. And Nancy was in more and more danger. And finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I had I shut the book. And I was just like, I cannot keep reading this book. It's terrifying. <laughs> How, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I, then I finally thought, OK, I, I'll peek at the end. And I opened to the last couple pages, and sure enough, there was Nancy, alive and well, on the last couple pages. So I knew whatever was going on back where I was reading, it was not going to be fatal. And once I knew that, I could go back and keep reading. You know, I laugh now to think how terrified I was by a Nancy Drew book, right? compared to all the truly terrifying situations in life, there certainly are a lot of things that make us stop and say, hmm, ah, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I would like to shut the book on this situation and not continue. A lot of things that make us say, God, how, how's this going to work out? You know, God has given us the end of the book. He's given us the end of the story. And he's allowed us to take more than just a tiny little peek. And he's done that to give us courage so that we can make it through what we are going through in life now. One of the core beliefs of our Christian faith is that God came to earth as a human being, that he lived our life, he died on our behalf, he was raised from the dead again, and then he ascended into heaven, and then the last part of that is that he will come again. He didn't just ascend into heaven and disappear, and that's the end of the story, and here we are. Good luck, guys. We got to figure it out. He said he will come again. That's often what's referred to as the second coming of Christ. He came first as a baby, as a human being, but he will come again. Matthew 24 30, Jesus says this, at that time the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and great glory. Jesus goes on to say that there will be a great trumpet call and he will send his angels to gather his church from the ends of the earth. Paul teaches the same truth just a, a chapter before where we are today in 1 Thessalonians. He's in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. He says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. His return will be personal. It will really be Jesus. And it will be physical. 
it will really be Jesus. He still has a body, and he will come and physically be with us. Paul calls the return of Christ the blessed hope of the church. Isn't that great? The blessed hope of the church. The people of Thessalonica that Paul is writing to here, they knew a lot about that blessed hope. They were holding on to it tightly. Paul is reminding them and reassuring them that what he already taught them when he was with them is really true. And, and he's saying, this is what you already know. Don't forget, this is what you already know. Three things. Number one, they know that the day of the Lord will come as a surprise. As suddenly and inescapably as a woman going into labor or as a thief sneaking in at night. Look at uh, verses uh, 1 and 3, 1 through 3 of uh, chapter 5. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we don't need to write to you, for you know very well, I taught you this already, he's saying, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, while people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. The day of the Lord, he says, will come. That, that phrase, the day of the Lord, you, you read that a lot in the Old Testament especially in the prophets. They talk about the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It, it refers to when God will establish his righteousness on the earth, including both judgment of the wicked and deliverance for his people. His holiness will show up in person and the presence of the holy God has a different effect on people depending on who they are and the condition of their hearts. You know, there's a saying that says, the same sun that melts butter hardens clay. And we want to be butter when Jesus comes, right? Not clay. And, and Paul is painting this, this, um, this contrast here of how Jesus coming again will have a dramatically different effect. It's good news for God's people, but it says all the nations of the earth will mourn. Not everybody is going to be ready for the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord will come, Paul says here. The day of the Lord will come. The verse translated in English, will come, actually in Greek is in present tense. So what he's really saying is, the day of the Lord comes. Doesn't that make it a little more vivid? A little bit more certain? It doesn't sound quite as smooth in English, but it definitely gives you the sense of it's happening. The day of the Lord comes. No one knows when God's call will come for him or her. And certain things cannot be left to the last moment. That's why he's emphasizing here it's going to be at a time when no one knows, but it's inevitable once it starts. It's too late to prepare for the exam once the paper is on the desk before you and the professor says, pick up your pens. Then it's too late. It's too late to make a house secure once the storm has broken open uh, up in the clouds above. 
Queen Mary of Orange was said to, uh, when she was dying, the chaplain wanted to read to her, and it said that her answer to him was, I have not left this matter to this hour. <laughs> she was ready. In a similar way, there's a story of an old Scotsman when someone offered comforting sayings to him near the end of his life. He said, I thatched my house when the weather was warm. If the call comes suddenly, we do not want to be unprepared. So Paul reminds them of that. You know this. It's going to happen suddenly. The second thing he reminds them of is that they know that they are children of the day, he calls them, and they understand the appropriate way to live. Listen again to verses 4 through 8, and follow along with me if you can in your Bibles. But for you, brothers and sisters, but you are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You all are children of the light and of the day, for we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a, breast, a breastplate, like armor, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. That's our protection. Faith, hope, and love. He insists that there's no reason why any of us should be caught unaware, because we know this is going to happen, and we know how to be ready. It's only the person who lives in the dark and whose deeds are evil, he says, who's going to be caught unprepared. But if we live in the light as followers of Jesus, when that day comes and we've been watchful and sober and ready, then we'll be ready and prepared when Jesus comes again. So here's the third thing that he reminds them that they know. They know, and this is even more basic, they know that their hope of salvation rests ultimately on Jesus' atoning death. That's what is going to make it all okay when Jesus comes again. That Jesus died for us and we have received his forgiveness. We've welcomed his forgiveness. We've asked for his forgiveness and said, I need that, Jesus. Make that true for me in my life. We've received that. And that's what makes the difference. Verses 9 and 10, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, he used those words to mean whether we are alive or dead, we may live together with him. The Thessalonians knew these things. They had great expectations for Jesus' return. In fact, they had such great expectations that they seemed to be thinking about little else, and that caused some good and bad things to happen. The bad thing was that people were worried about some things that they didn't need to worry about. Specifically, they were afraid that perhaps those Christians who had already died, they, that they might miss the second coming of Jesus. If you read... Uh, if you, you read back into chapter 4, you can see around verse 13, they're afraid that those who have died might miss out on this. 
And then if you go on to 2 Thessalonians, you see that Paul had to deal with an even more difficult problem. Some believers were so convinced that Jesus was going to come again soon that they quit their jobs so they could spend full time waiting. You can imagine that would cause some problems. Paul reminded them he was not idle when he came and lived among them and shared the good news with them. And he offered this no-nonsense rule. He says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. These great expectations were causing some good things to happen too among the Thessalonians. What was good? Well, we might be likely to think they were kind of fooling themselves, right? They were waiting with anticipation for Jesus' return, but he didn't return in their lifetime, and he still hasn't. We might look back at them and think, oh, it's kind of pathetic. You know, they, they, uh, they apparently had futile expectations, but, you know, the church has always embraced this blessed hope. Because great expectations make for great living. Great expectations change the way we live. Clement of Alexandria said many centuries ago, if you do not hope, you cannot find what is beyond your hopes. Hope is one of the great gifts of our faith. Hope can sustain us through very bleak times the hope that Christ might return and bring an end to our sufferings and the sufferings of this world, the Bible says that's an anchor to our soul. I don't know about you, but I need an anchor to my soul, especially when the storms of life rage through. Hope is an anchor to the soul. You know, we can hold fast to that hope. We can hold fast to that hope. It, it, the, the church has always embraced that hope of the second coming more, uh, with more, more life when things are hard. When things are comfortable, we tend to just kind of let that fade off into the horizon. But when we live with that awareness that this could be the day, our time could be short. We want to be ready, and we want to help as many other people be ready as possible. It changes how we live. It gives an urgency to our, our, our faith. It gives uh, reality to how we plan our lives. Ellsworth Callis says, this great expectation gives character to my daily conduct and glory to the potential of my calendar. Isn't that great? What if we looked at our calendars every week and said, this could be the week that Jesus comes again? How would it change what we put on that calendar and how we go about it Christ will come again. Well, Paul says we're not meant to just keep this hope and just, you know, like put it in our pocket and carry it around with us and not do anything with it. Look at verse 11 where he ends this, this passage. He says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you were doing. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, 
you are doing. We just sang those great words. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Did you realize when you were singing that? That is talking about Jesus' second coming. That is expressing that great expectation that we have. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. When you come together here on a Sunday morning and sing those words, you are doing what Paul says here. Encourage one another and build each other up. To come and worship, just your presence here, is not just for you. It's for those who are sitting around you as well. It's a huge encouragement to show up here and see others who are like, I need this. I need this just as much as you do. We need to, to stick together and encourage each other and build each other up. Pray for each other. Remind each other of that hope that we have when things get hard. There's a, a role for every single person to play in the body of Christ to encourage one another and build each other up. When will Christ return? I don't really know. I don't know. But I, I, I make no apology for my limited knowledge because Jesus himself said that no one can possibly know in Mark chapter 13. In Acts 1, 7, Jesus told his apostles, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Times and dates is that same phrase that Paul uses here. We don't know when it will happen, but I try to keep alert to the possibility that today could be the day because Jesus told us to keep alert, keep watch, keep a sober mind, remembering that today could be the day. And the early Christians set such a great example for us. Let's embrace this great expectation and hold on to that blessed hope. Will you pray with me? Lord, would you show us the reality of what you have prepared? And may that hope of knowing that you have got this, you've written the end of the story, and that you've made a way for us to be a part of that. May that be an anchor to our souls. God, show us each day how to encourage each other with that, how to build each other up, and show us how to live in that hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.